0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and I'm here today with my guest, Dr. Lynetta Willis, and I'm so excited to welcome her. She is a psychologist and a family coach, and she's going to be talking with us today about how we can bring more harmony and joy to our families, um, to our parenting and to our relationships. So Lynetta, thank you so much for being here. Will you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do?
1: Absolutely. First, thank you for having me. I really feel honored to be on your podcast talking to your audience. So thank you. I am a psychologist and family empowerment coach. And basically what I do is I help frustrated families break free from what I like to call stable misery, so that they can feel more joy and harmony in their homes and in their relationships.
0: So stable misery, because that sounds daunting and dark. So tell me kind of what it is and how you help families release that, because that sounds like a good thing we should be releasing.
1: Exactly. It can feel very daunting and dark. It's, it so can. So stable misery is that space that we sometimes find ourselves in where things are going along pretty well in, in most areas of our life, but there might be like those one or two areas where we're just unfulfilled or unhappy you know, not really feeling as connected or as confident or competent as we want to. And two areas that I find that families often fall into the stable misery pit are in their parenting and in their partnerships. So a lot of what I do is about helping families break free from that In partnerships, it often looks like, you know, people enter, they go from what I call like the soulmate to the roommate, you know, where everybody was connected. It was all great and fun. And now you're sort of like passing ships in the night or you, you find that you're just really, when you do connect, it's just over the kids. Or when you try to have conversations, they always end up in a fight or you find yourself just generally just unhappy and unsure how to get out of that space.
0: I feel like the kind of the image that I'm conjuring up is this kind of almost like complacency and a little bit of acceptance that we just kind of come to this place of like, this is how it is. It's not going to be that way again, like the joy and the kind of hunger and the, I don't know, the juiciness of early, the early days, like we're just, that fades and we're not going to be able to have it back. And yeah.
1: And that's the stable part, right? Yeah. Right. You can technically live that way forever, and nothing will you know you'll probably be fine and people do right right? exactly they do but it's miserable (laughs) especially when you are aware of what could be or what used to be right like that that sometimes makes it almost worse because you keep harkening back to Remember when we were in college and and we had sex all the time? Or remember when we, you know, <laughs> we first had no responsibilities. All we had to do was go to class and eat. That's it. And back in those times, you know. And know. so it can make it even more frustrating to know that there is a promised land, right? There is this other space, and we just can't find our way back. And. Then there are all these other responsibilities too that, mm-hmm. that get in the way quote unquote right you know it's like all right well now we have careers and now we have kids and now we have all these other things and the squeaky wheel gets the grease so marriage can or you know can go on the back burner or even with parenting i mean there's so much information out there and there's so many different parenting ideologies Mm -hmm. And parents, I mean, we're being told 15 different things. Like one side, it's like, oh, your kids should be responsible for their behaviors. And the other side, it's like, no, it's always your fault. And so I find a lot of parents I work with feel sort of paralyzed. They're like, yeah, I don't know what to do. But one thing they do know, and it's so sad is that they're not enjoying parenting. You know, they have these Mm. ideas about what it would be like when I'd have this kid and it would be great and glorious and grand. And. It's like, if I can just get those little monsters to go to bed, I feel joy. And
0: that's not what life is supposed like. that's not what parenting, that's not what marriage was meant to be. That's not the pro- thing that we were promised, right?
1: Right, right, bait and switch, bait and switch.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, so tell me then a little bit, if you mentioned that you have this pathway, this kind of clear path to breaking free from stable misery, and obviously I know like we can't learn all of that in one podcast, but what are some things that we can do to move past that? Because sometimes it feels very, like people are very stuck in it.
1: So true. So there is, if you go to the website, healingstablemisery.com, you can actually download a roadmap that I've created where it gives you all of these steps and it applies them to parenting and partnerships so that you can actually use them to break free. And what I always tell people is when you download it, don't be the overachiever. I know many people listening right now are the perfectionistic overachievers and they want to do every step within like a day. Don't do that. Just pick one that resonates with you that feels the most doable and do that for like a week and see how it feels. Um, So there are five steps and interestingly enough, they spell paths, P-A-T-H-S. And basically what it is, is these are things that often lead us to, when when we're not aware of them, they lead us to fall into that stable misery pit. And the first one is our perspective. So, The stories we tell ourselves are one of the most powerful things that can lead us to fall into stable misery. The stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, about the people we're around, about the world in general, right? So if we tell stories ourselves like, my kids are manipulative, right? Like that's going to lead us probably more towards stable misery than it is going to lead us towards joy. Or if we tell ourselves stories like, my partner just doesn't care about me or my needs, right? Probably going to lead you more to stable misery than towards joy. So getting really clear on what are the stories that I'm telling myself about this relationship or about myself. If I'm telling myself a story that I'm a bad mom and I'm never going to be able to do this right, probably stable misery over joy, you
0: know? Yeah. So getting
1: really clear on like, what are the stories that I'm telling myself?
0: Yeah, I, I love I, that. Yeah, right? It's yeah, so no, cool. I, the stories are... And we're telling ourselves, like even if we're not noticing the stories, the stories are playing in our back, like in the back of our mind all the time. Our brain is very active and loves to tell stories and they're just thoughts. They're just neurons firing. They don't like we need to be aware of them and evaluating them. Like, is that actually true? And yes. is that going to be my truth? Am I going to let that, like, just neurons firing in the background, like old scripts, old patterns that were handed down through the generations, am I going to let those influence how I show up?
1: So true. And one thing that people can do is pick, like, one activity or something that your, your child does, let's say, that frustrates you, right? Like, doesn't go to bed at night, like, cries and whines or, you know, gets second wind of energy, flusters all around. And then sit and think about that. And either in the moment while it's happening or afterwards, sit and just write down all the stories that went through your head in that moment. All right, So you can just get, become aware of them. You don't even have to try to change them immediately. But the first thing is just becoming aware of what are these stories that are going into my head, which leads me to the A, which is awareness.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so many of us are taught growing up that our feelings and even our body sensations are liabilities. And we, especially the difficult feelings, right? Like the sadness or the overwhelm or, you know, and or when we get hurt, you know, we're told like, shake it off, get up, keep going. And mm-hmm. it's, so it's like all these things are liabilities. So we learn to shove our feelings down, put them away. But the problem with that is number one, they don't go away. It's just not something that happens. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And the other issue with that is our feelings are in our body sensations are actually our greatest allies. They really are because they give us insight. You know, I always say like they're just signposts. They're not good, bad, or indifferent. They tell us where we've been, where we are and give us insight into where we believe we're headed. That's all mm-hmm. they do. So becoming really aware of what I'm feeling in the moment you know, when my kid won't go to bed, that gives me insight into the fact that maybe I'm telling myself a story right now because I'm feeling enraged or I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed or I'm feeling really powerless. So that can give us some insight into what are the stories that I'm telling myself? Cause it's all connected right? Same with our body sensations, when our shoulders are really tense or tight, things like that, that can give us a lot of great insight into what's going on and what we may need in that moment. Um, The other thing that fits into awareness is being aware of how the people in our life respond to us. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That gives us a lot of information too, right? So if our children When we, a while ago, when my husband was not really on my bandwagon about parenting differently from how we were raised, Mm -hmm. uh, he started to notice, and what really led to a shift for him was noticing when he would walk in the door, the kids would run. Not out of fear of him, because we weren't spanking or anything like that, but- It was that sense of when he would come in, he would start pointing out things, right? Like pick this up, put this over here, you know, there'd be no connection, right? Mm So daddy would come home and it was, uh uh-oh, right? So be aware of how how other people respond to you gives you some deeper awareness on how you may be coming across or what are some things that I'm putting out there? Are there ways that I can shift how I'm showing up to make this relationship stronger or feel better?
0: I think you're so right. And something that's, I feel like there's an undercurrent to what all of what you're saying too, that I just want to pull out and highlight for people because I I don't know, I can sense it in what you're saying, but anyway, there's a sense that all of this is approached from a place of curious non-judgmental observation and oh, yeah. I think that that must be incredibly important because with awareness often comes judgment and labeling and blaming and shaming the patterns often we're parented with that's how we relate to ourselves and then comes defensiveness and shutting down and closing off and it closes off our access to change and so can you say a little bit like more about like cultivating because I can tell like it's just in the fabric of what you do, that non judgmental curiosity, but like, how can you cultivate that within yourself? Like, how can the people listening get that going for themselves? Mm-hmm.
1: I love that. Yeah, curiosity is like one of my favorite words. And it's interesting because if you go to the roadmap, I actually phrase things as questions. So it's not do this, it's ask yourself this question. And I do that, I'm I'm always asking questions and I do that for a couple of reasons. One, because a lot of times when we're struggling, our frontal lobe is shut down, right? So that part of our brain that allows us to be adults shuts down and then we're like younger than our kids, right? Like in that moment when the amygdala and the emotional brain is firing, But it is impossible to attempt to ask, to answer a question without activating the frontal lobe. So even an attempt to answer a question is going to like jumpstart that frontal lobe in the brain. Mm -hmm. So asking a question like, what story am I telling myself right now? Right. Is Mm -hmm. going to be something that will allow people to jumpstart that frontal lobe. So everything that when we really want to shift how we're showing up for ourselves or for those we care about, curiosity is key because like you said, we're going to have a tendency to want to judge or shame ourselves. And I get it. It's a protective way of being, you know, when if I can judge myself or shame myself into getting back in line or sticking with what's familiar, which is what keeps us in stable misery. Judgment is one of those stable misery minions, I like to call them. You know, it's (laughs) one of those things that keeps us in that space because we will choose familiar over unfamiliar every single time, even if familiar is miserable. So when we allow ourselves to ask questions and to get curious, essentially what that does is it allows us to expand beyond that place of judgment and just get curious about is there another way is there something else is there another way that i can approach this or see this so curiosity is absolutely key and and again like i was saying about the judgment it keeps us safe right Mm -hmm. it keeps us safe it's like if you think about a family if you had a mother who i don't know like went outside when she was younger and and almost got hit by a car or something like that and then she has children She's going to say, don't you go outside of the yard. You have to stay right here. And if the the closer the children get, the more frustrated and freaked out she's probably going to get, the closer they get to the road. And then she might judge or shame or do whatever she can to protect them. And that's how our brain works. When Mm -hmm. we're judging ourselves and doing those things, it's really a form of protection to try to keep us in the familiar zone. But it doesn't feel good. Right. So Mm -hmm. realizing that those judgments are really just our brains way of trying to protect us and keep us safe, but also being able to say to ourselves, like, that's not helpful right now. So I'm going to get curious and I'm going to search for another way. I'm going to open my mind to another way.
0: I love that. I always say that curiosity is a parenting superpower <laughs> or yes. a relationship superpower. Like it just changes the tones of interactions. And when we are being open and curious with ourselves and with others, we kind of come in, in this soft place that just mm-hmm. opens things up a little bit.
1: Yes, it is. So it really is probably one of, like you said, it's a superpower. It's one of the most important things that we can bring into a relationship because the opposite of curiosity is certainty and whenever you enter into a relationship situation with certainty that you know not only why and how and the who of you but the why and the how and the who of them of the <laughs> other person it's going to get you in trouble every,
0: every single every time <laughs> <laughs> every time the certainty is built on our experiences and our stories that have nothing to do with reality or what's happening for the other person right it's
1: so true and <laughs> one of the things that i always tell that i every single client i have i get them into the habit of saying when they get especially when it comes to marriage is what i want you to start a sentence with is the story in my head is mm-hmm. and then say whatever it is that you want to say but that prefix needs to go on there the story in my head is right because when we just say you're angry and you don't care and you're never going to blah 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 okay now you're telling people their motivations and their and what's driving them and people don't tend to like that so even if you're right <laughs> the yeah. other person's probably going to deny it <laughs> subconsciously maybe even right mm-hmm. so if you start with the story in my head is that you don't care and you're not doing you know and then that gives the other it invites the other person in to be able to say well actually what I really was thinking was or no you're right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it gives them room to move when you throw mm-hmm. it out there like as if it is fact and Mm -hmm. there is no changing it that means you're just going to defend it and people around you are going to kind of enter into the space of what's the point especially our children you know tell our children what is then and they're already in a power down Mm -hmm. position doesn't always feel that way but they are right and if you tell them this is why you did this and this is who you are this is what you think and this is what you feel and this is what you believe after a while it's like well What's left to do, but maybe to fill the shoes that you've already created for me, Mm -hmm. even though that's not really maybe what they were thinking, feeling, and believing. So you can end up creating a self-fulfilling prophecy, Mm -hmm. you know, in your um, relationship with people, because if I believe that you were being manipulative, that I'm going to treat you as if you're being manipulative. Yeah. and they're going to
0: respond to me responding that way
1: bonding to
0: me mm-hmm. right
1: in that way so we really have to be careful and that's why starting with the story in my head is not only does it invite the other person to come in but it also reminds us that this is just the story i'm telling myself it is not necessarily absolute truth
0: yeah I love it. And I think it's just even the consistently questioning the stories that we tell, like our brain's like efficiency they are lazy they don't like to do things differently and so like even just if we're questioning the story and we're like that's an old story we're going to give it this new story and we do that like that's a cumbersome process our brains don't like that they will pretty quickly take on the new story because they don't want to be burdened with having to think that much they want to be efficient you know our brains are beautiful in that way they really
1: are it's so good so it's yes so like The perspective, the awareness, the T stands for tools. So I always say, in a relationship, the question is never, like we're always using a tool. The question is never, am I using a tool? It's, is the tool I'm using helpful or unhelpful? Mm -hmm. So taking five deep breaths is a tool, just like yelling is a tool. They're all tools, right? But asking ourselves, what is helpful? Is this helpful in the moment? And often what'll happen is, parents, they can check their stories, they can be aware, but then they get to that point of, okay, what do I do? And they feel stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And especially if you were raised with tools that don't quite fit how you want to raise your kids.
0: Yeah.
1: Like a lot of us, like I know for me, the four, I call it the the four horsemen mindset, Mm. just from the way Gottman uses it, (laughs) but you know, pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. Those are often what are used in a lot of families mm-hmm. to raise kids and to communicate. And so if you are a parent who's decided, I'm not going to use those anymore. I'm not going to you know use pain. I'm not going to spank, or I'm not going to blame my child for, you make me so mad, or I'm not going to shame my child, or I'm not just going to avoid everything and Mm -hmm. Just eat, you'll feel better, right? Like, so those types of things, then you can feel sort of at a loss when it's like, well, how do I do this? And like I said earlier, you go back to all these parenting books and pick a book. They're going to tell you 15 different ways (laughs) to handle one thing, you know? So really it's important to question what tools am I using and intentionally shift those tools. It's a lot of what I help parents do. Shift out tools for things that feel good to you, and that work for your family, because that's the, that's the truth of the matter. Like you can read 15 different books and that's great, but at the end of the day, it has to match who you are and who Mm -hmm. your family is and who your children are. And that can be really difficult to wade through all of that and figure all of that out um, on your phone, which is why, you know, you don't have to do that. Like you and me, we got degrees in this. We know the 15 different
0: <laughs> The 20 million right. different ways. Yeah, that's something. Exactly. It's so, it's, but you're, you're saying something that I think is so important because so many of the people who work with me, and I'm sure you experience this too, tend towards perfectionism, tend towards this kind of, if I just found out how to do it right, if I just found the right answer, then I'd do it right and my kids would be okay and I'd be okay you know, like there's this anxiety around that piece of things. And so there's frantically searching for different experts to tell me the right way to do it the one way. And what I really like, I think is so important is that we have to help people come home to themselves, mm-hmm. learn to trust themselves, yes. feel what needs to be healed so that their intuition is coming from a healed place, you know, so that mm-hmm. they're, they can trust like my instincts and in parenting are not old stuff handed to me through abusive patterns, right? But that when I show up with my kids and when I show up with my partner, I can trust myself. I know my kids better than anybody does. They know themselves. I can listen to them. I can trust them. I can listen to myself, you know, like that's what I want for parents that I Oh my
1: gosh. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And a lot of what I try to do with parents is the way that I work, it's really about helping them come up with their own solution. Yeah. That's so funny. I love at the end of session being like, you're like, OK, now I have a plan for this. And I'm like, you came up with it. How did you do I that? Facilitating <laughs> The process, yeah. you know, yeah. to help you get there. But, you know, your family way better than I do, right? Exactly. Like, I'm just the guardrail. Like, I just make sure you don't fly off a mountain trying to come up with, you know, or get stuck in the mud trying to come up with something, when in reality, like, come on, we've been on this planet for millions and millions of years, meaning that all the way since back in caveman times, kids have been reared, and we've managed to figure it out, and we've managed to still be here, right? So, on, and that this was before parenting groups and parenting books and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, So you're right. We absolutely have the answers inside of us. It's really about moving the stuff, the quote unquote stuff, out of the way that blocks our ability to get there, which I love the fact that you said that. It was a perfect lead in to the H, which is healing. love it. (laughs) Totally not planned. It is important. A lot of the parents that come to me, they do have the experience of wanting to raise their kids differently from how they were raised, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a lot of stuff. One of the specialty areas I developed when I was in training was in trauma healing. And there's a lot of stuff that we bring into our parenting relationship. And when we're triggered, God help us, right? Like we go back to what's familiar, right? That mm-hmm. familiarity, we go right back there and then that leads to guilt and judgment and all this other, and shame and all of this other stuff. So really figuring out what's the stuff that's getting in the way of me being the parent that I wanna be or mm-hmm. me being the partner that I wanna be. And I truly believe one of the acronyms I, I love to use is um, we are well, mm-hmm. you know, which is we are whole, we are enough. We are the epitome of love and we are always learning, never failing, right? And so Mm -hmm. if all of that is true, then we have the answers, right? It's just there's stuff in the way,
0: yeah. Um,
1: whether it be anger or trauma or, Mm -hmm. you know, exhaustion, whatever the case may be, right? There's just stuff in the way and we move that stuff out of the way, I find that, we can find the answers we seek. It's really not hard. They're already there. We just have to like drop the cover that's blocking them.
0: Yeah. So I love trauma recovery, like in the brain science, our brains want to heal. That's what triggers are for. They show us where there's healing that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. All we have to do is start listening to our brains because they are geared towards wholeness. They want to heal. That's why they keep presenting triggers to us.
1: Yes. It's just another signpost. Absolutely. absolutely. I actually am in the process of leading a group right now called Triggered to Transformed for parents. But really, that's what it's about because I found that a lot of parents are struggling with triggers. And it's like, again, it's that stuff. And if we can become aware of like, what is setting me off in this moment? And again, there's that C word, get curious about it. Mm -hmm. and. With it, then we can move to a space where we feel more empowered. Yeah. Which is where the S comes in for self empowerment. And what that is, a lot of the parents and couples I work with, there's this overarching feeling of disempowerment. And that's another stable misery minion that keeps us stuck in stable misery. Like, there's, I don't know how to get out of this. I can't get out of this, which catapults us into victim stance right, which is just this constant wheel, we're always victimized in our parenting or in our marriage, then there's really no reason to seek other ways to get out. So really what self-empowerment is about is finding ways, like I always say, unless you are tied up in a basement and gagged, You have power, but even then you have power because if when we know this from children, you can't control when they poop, when they pee, when they eat, right? There's always power. It's just about finding it, right? Mm -hmm. So figuring out in what ways, where is my power in this situation and how can I use it to transform this situation? So once we get clear on our stories, we have awareness, we start to cultivate helpful tools, and we learn what within us needs to be healed or what within us needs to be honored in a particular relationship or in a particular situation, then we are primed to be able to get a a fuller understanding of
0: where our power is. Yeah. And And to step into that. Yes. Okay. And so then this path that you've been leading us on, where do we end up when we walk that path? where do we go?
1: You end up in a space of more joy and more harmony. And as all the parents I've talked to, I've talked to many, countless parents over the, the decades I've been doing this. And the thing that, that seems to get people is a lack of joy, like just not enjoying their life, enjoying their family, enjoying their marriage. right? And, and that can be such a tough space to live and to be. So When we go through all of these, we're able to cultivate a deeper sense of joy because we're empowered to do so. And I talk about joy, I talk about dynamic joy. I think it's really, really important to view it this way. If you view like a light switch, okay, Mm -hmm. so you have a light switch that goes on and off and that's often how we view joy. So I'm either on, joyful, off, not joyful, like miserable, right? But that's not really how things are. I think it's more helpful to view it as a dimmer switch. If stable misery is the off position and joy is the on position, it's like usually we're somewhere in the middle. And so the question always is, and this is one of the self-empowerment questions, what is one step I can take in this moment to move me closer to joy? Just one step I can take, one thought I can have, one sensation I can transform, one thing I can honor, one need that I can honor within myself, whatever the case may be, to bring us one step closer to joy. If we're constantly seeking this endless, like I want to be joyful and happy and perfect all of the time, good Mm -hmm. luck. But if it's what's one step I can take, because joy is dynamic, like that dimmer switch.
0: I love that idea. And I love that question. What is one step I can take right now to step a little closer to joy? It's empowering.
1: Exactly. And it does. It puts us back in alignment with our sense of power. And it automatically cultivates an assumption that I do have power to move myself closer to joy. It may be... Something like I can honor the fact that I'm hungry or hangry, right? Or maybe I just need to take a step back and go in the meditation room, which for many of us is like the bathroom, you know, or like what's a story that I can shift in this moment? Maybe it's that my kid's not being manipulative. Maybe it's something like, you know, my kid is trying to get a need met. How can I help them to get this need met? It's really just about... One little thing that we can shift, because usually, let's be honest, it's us that keeps ourselves trapped in that stable misery space a lot of the time based on what were the thoughts we're having and how we're functioning or how we're showing up. And that's not to say that other people don't have responsibility. They absolutely do have responsibility. But if we can be mindful about allowing ourselves to not fall into that victim role, and constantly asking, like, where is my power in this moment? What is one step I can take to move myself closer to joy? There are times I still ask myself that question. Like if my husband and I will get into a disagreement Hmm. or, you know, and I know I'm right. And I just kind of like go to my corner and wait for him to realize that I'm right and come and, you know, apologize. And because that's, you know, in my head, that's exactly what should happen. So if I'm doing that, This happened a couple months ago where I realized like, oh, you know what? I'm doing that standoffish thing where I know I'm right. So I said, what's one thing I can do in this moment to bring me closer to joy? And what came up in my head was go over to him and tell a joke. And we ended up just laughing. And that was something different, completely different from what I would normally do. And a lot of times the next step is usually just that, like do the unfamiliar like, don't do yeah. what you normally do, because that's not helpful. Right. Do the unfamiliar thing, something totally silly, out of this world, or just not normal for you, right? And see what happens, get curious. Yeah. One of the things I'm always saying is, life is just one big experiment, right? And if you treat it that way, you'll be a lot less frustrated, because the thing about experiments by their very nature, you can't fail an experiment. You can only learn from it, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. And so when we approach life like an experiment, we realize like, oh, I can just learn. So I might've told him the knock-knock joke and he might've rolled his eyes and walked away. Okay. I just learned something. I didn't fail, right? I <laughs> learned something, right? Yeah. So what did I learn and how can I use that to to be different or to take another approach next time?
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that idea too, that we are always learning and it's just information. Like it doesn't have to be tied to things. It doesn't have to mean something. We can let life be easy and light and fun can just let it be, let it be easy, let it be fun. But seriously though, like I have a journaling practice that I do in the mornings and I always ask myself a question, like what is the question of the day? Like I write down a couple of affirmations, things that I'm focusing on, but then I always ask like, what is like my power question is what I call it. And I'm going to add in what would bring me one step closer to joy. A lot of times my power question is um, what would love say? Oh,
1: that is such a good, I love that. I never thought about meditating on that daily. That's
0: a really good idea. Oh yeah. (laughs) A power question is something that has been really helpful for me. Like if there's something in particular that I'm focusing on, like it's one of those things as just like a practice, like, oh, what's my question today? Okay. It's this, this is what I'm focusing on. Okay. So in this situation, when my kids are fighting, I'm just going to focus on what would bring us one step closer to joy. The power question thing is really a fun thing to do. I
1: love that. I used to do, well, I still do it, but not as a, I might have to start doing it as a daily practice. Whenever I would do like spiritual insight work, again, I always start with a question. So I would ask spirit, God, soul, whatever you want to call it, like question to like, what is forgiveness? Especially if it was something that I'm struggling with and in a relationship or something like that, like, how do I forgive? Right. And then just kind of go into meditation and then see Mm -hmm. what comes out of that space. And sometimes some really powerful insights have come out of things where i'm like that wasn't me because geez i never would have thought that i was i was hoping for something like wait
0: until they realize you're right yes oh the being right and the perfectionism it's a constant recovery process
1: it is oh my gosh and you know i think that's one thing i would i i wish for all parents and all couples is just
0: relax on
1: that, you know, the Mm -hmm. perfectionism piece, because it really does pull us into, and it it really comes from our need for certainty, right? To be certain in things. Like if I get it perfect, then I know this is going to work. Then I know it's going to move in this direction. But really that, that search for certainty really just undermines everything because then we miss, you know, off ramps and other options that Mm -hmm. could potentially be available to us that actually would be more helpful to the relationship or guide us closer to the ultimate vision of what we want like where am i trying to be perfect here like and where can i just relax that and just be more curious you know and just allow and be still yeah oh that's
0: so hard it is it's so hard but I feel like that's everything like there isn't one right path to satisfaction in a marriage there's not one right path to joy and parenting there's lots of different options and if we're focused on trying to find the right path, we miss so much.
1: It's like we have blinders on, you know, those yeah. little things. It's like we have those on and we miss so much of the landscape mm-hmm. that is filled with endless opportunities. And, but if we're just focused on what's right in front of us and what we've already decided is and should be, then yeah. we
0: miss so many other opportunities. We limit ourselves. Exactly. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I feel like that is... The perfect place to end. We're going to send people off now and to go out and start seeing the opportunities and the limitless possibilities that are open to them in their lives, the, that path to joy. Okay. So thank you so much for sharing this wisdom with us. I feel really like excited to put some of this into practice in my own life. I, I really appreciate that.
1: Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. Thank you.